On this week's show, we pay tribute to a legend as Neil Cugley steps down as Folkestone Victor manager. 25 years, just over 25 years in one club. Uh, an absolute legend, an absolute gentleman who has done absolutely fantastic for that football club. A solid start to the season for Hyde Town. The man, Steve Watt, gives us the lowdown. We've not had any easy games, if you like. We've played a lot in the favour. We've came out on top in, in most of them. And, uh, so, as I said, we've got to be happy with how things are going so far. And a big win in the Vars, followed by a draw in the league. Deal Town boss Steve King reflects on a busy week. We've got four league games without a win, but we've lost one game in our last eight. And when you're trying to compete at the top end of the league, you, you realise how much draws hurt you. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. Uh, just the two interviews for you this week from a pair of Steves. Uh, we're also discussing a momentous day in Kent football with the departure of the longest serving manager in the county and, do you know what, I think in the country too. Uh, I'm John Phipps, who this week had the worst garlic bread in the world. And on the line now is a man who I think we can definitely call a Jonah after Dover's return to form this week. It's Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Uh to be honest, you're not the first person to say that about David. But yeah, not too bad. That that is middle class problems, mate. When garlic bread is a no, it's not. It's the future. And if do, do you know a, what? I, I genuinely thing. was fuming about this garlic bread yesterday. So um, I am by no means a um, a food snob, a shopping snob, or anything. And um, I moved house in August and. Down the road from me is a budget supermarket chain. I'm not going to give it away, but it's got the letters L, D and I in it. And they both have. So you can decide which one of the two it is. Um, And I went down there the other day because I was like, oh, I've got some pasta in the fridge. I'll get myself a nice garlic baguette to go with it. It'll be really nice. And I thought, well, surely they can't, you know. And and many, many times you go into into these supermarkets and the food is as good as you would get at your mainstreams, your, 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 your big your big four or five. No problems at all. So I put this uh, this garlic baguette that I bought in, and it wasn't a cheap, it wasn't like the budget range, it was just a, you know, standard thing. I put it in the, in the oven yesterday. I sat down to it with my pasta. Well, the, the big component of a garlic baguette for me is the garlic butter, which seemingly was not in this at all. It was just basically like eating a plain bit of baguette it was horrible i didn't i I, I barely i had about two slices of it and just chucked it in the bin absolutely poor and the other one it was a two-pack the other one is also following it in the bin because i'm not wasting my time cooking that crap again dear mate yeah that is first world problems mate really there isn't it so the main problem we've had this week we've got hedgehogs in the garden and the dog gets excited about the hedgehogs normally at four o'clock in the morning but but apparently you can get a hedgehog house I don't know if you've come across hedgehogs before. If there's any hedgehog experts, can, you can buy a hedgehog house. So that, I don't know how they get, work out how to go in there, but that's the excitement of the week. Hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. And you say my problems are first world problems. Yes, exactly. Yes. So we don't want. We don't want. I mean, a, we don't want a the dog to kill the hedgehog because a it will hurt the hedgehog, and b that those little spiky things probably hurt the dog. So. Um, yeah, so the dogs, so we've got to be careful with the dog with hedgehogs. I presume it's a winter thing as we're coming into winter. The hedgehogs are, are big now. So, yeah. Well, they hibernate, don't they? That, that, that's one thing I know about hedgehogs is that they hibernate. Oh, maybe they, it's trying to hibernate in our garden. And of course, the dog barking like a centimetre from its face. The dog hasn't done anything yet. It probably scares the living daylight, daylights out of the blessed thing. So that's a bit of excitement. And of course, I'm off work this week. And like we have done before, it's a, like a, a trawl around. Kent, um, which we do nice around walks and bits and pieces and things like that. So that's have you been anywhere nice? What's what's been your must well, see? Been, well, we've been to been to one of the locations of the um, 
uh, interviewees this week, the club he manages. And uh, we've also been to Herne Bay and Whitstable as well. So um, always very nice, this part of the world. Good walks for the dog, nice places. And as I said before, Herne Bay is quite like Herne Bay. It's really nice sort of nice walks, nice little um, beaches and things like that. So that's what we've been doing. And I also had some brilliant news today, John, because, you know, I'm going on a big trip in three weeks. Yes. And I was a bit concerned that you had to do um, a COVID PCR test. Mm. But today they've pulled the plug from the 1st of November. So I don't have to hibernate like the week before worrying I'd pick up COVID because I have to do a test like 24 hours before I go. So uh, that has really cheered me up. So, you know, um, my trip will be on. Well, it was on anyway, but the concern was I'd get the uh, COVID. So, um, yeah, so that's that's, that's, uh, a big day today. Was that getting that confirmed? So uh, three weeks tomorrow, I am off. So it's all very exciting. Brilliant scenes. I'm I'm pleased. What, 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 how much is a PCR test these days? Forty quid cash, something like that. Oh no. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I've been worried about this and so looking into it quite a bit. And you can do ones online, so like on a Zoom call, and somebody just sort of they send it to you. I was a bit concerned because the post always on strike. That wouldn't arrive. So that was like fifty quid or something like that. But there is one. If I went to one in Dover near my mum lives, and you could do it within. They do it in front of you, but you wouldn't get the results to the next day. And the way I fly, I wouldn't have got the results until I was basically at the airport. Uh-huh. So, so that would be I wouldn't have slept that that night because I'd been concerned that I wasn't be going. And that was about 120 quid. So that has oh, saved me a bit of wedge, to be honest. Excellent, great news. So that yeah, is. so that's that's what that is my um, you know can't be too excited because I'm leaving the family for a week. But um, I, that's. I was sort of punching the air when I found out that I didn't have to do a PCR test because that was a concern, really. Genuine question. When was the last time you spent a week away from your family? Uh, I've never let, been that far. I've been to, when I've been to Doha before, it was about four days. So this this is a big... So I will owe my my, my wife, you know, a good couple of trips away <laughs> when I'm looking after the, the, the kids and the dog or whatever. So, yeah. So, this, yeah, I've never never been longer away from my wife in 20 years oh well, she, again i could come back this house could be empty and she's gone that, <laughs> hopefully that's not going to happen but yeah but yeah yeah so um, yes yeah, so that's excitement so uh, can you imagine the first podcast after you get back if you get back and they've all left you that would it would put the garlic bread conversation to shame really it John. really would i mean i mean to be fair i managed to get through a a, a a breakup for all this year and, and i've managed to pick up a, a, a new relationship as well and i don't think anybody's known too much about it although i, I did I, I, you I'm just told me there was some tittle tattle i'm more than happy with the great relationship you have john so but my wife you know she did say when i turn up probably late on the saturday after week after we've gone that she might go out on a sunday because the you know of the stress of <laughs> um doing everything so um, yeah need to just tell me before to enjoy myself before the show that there were questions about my my love life Pops i've had a couple of people travel. query about it john so one at football and somebody guy i know texts me about it so um, i don't I'll want to get involved you in your love it. life but um you maybe you can put someone on social media john about it but um yeah no. this is a football podcast so we're not going too deep into love life yeah but yeah but people are concerned well not concerned people are pleased for you john that's the main thing yes and they should be because uh yes everything is going very well and everything is is very very good again so, the way it was the guy said you know your mate got a new bird that's what it was that's the <laughs> that was the the delights of the guy at crabble said to me about that 
Brilliant. Well, yeah. um, we go, we, go, we don't, you know, new language. Do you know what? As I know she listens, I'm going to say that the terminology of uh, her being my new bird is possibly not quite. Uh, it be interesting to see. Again, we, we don't know the demographic. What was it? The demographics of our yeah. listeners. I, I cannot believe. I'll be surprised if we get many women listening. To be honest. Let us know if you're a woman and you listen to this podcast. Um, yeah, we would. Yeah, we'd, we'd yeah, love we'd to hear from you. for people across the world. And we've had a few of them. If you are yeah. a woman who listens to this podcast, again, well I don't mean to be sexist, but I'll be surprised. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well done for for putting up with the the lads lads, lads banter. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's crack on. It's our two hundred and thirty first episode this week, and that led me to a piece of classical music. It's called Pacific Two Three One, which was composed by Arthur Honegger in the nineteen twenties. But it's not any old bit of music. Oh no, it's supposed to be the musical equivalent of a steam train. Uh, the composer himself rightly described the quiet breathing of the machine at rest, its effort in starting, then the gathering speed, the progress from mood to mood. As a 300-ton train hurtles through the dark night, racing 120 miles an hour. I'm no train spotter. Of course, I wish no harm to them. There's definitely uh, far worse hobbies that we have. And, and do you know what? I listened to a bit of that music, and it's quite interesting. Uh, and, and on train spotting, actually, not the film, uh, I did read a thing the other week when someone um, went up to a train spotter and said, What are you doing? And the train spotter said to him, Well, I'm just train spotting. He goes, but, but why are you doing it here? And it's like, well, it's a train station. Can't you go home and do your hobby? No, because the trains don't go past my house. People are weird, aren't they? I mean, one of the good things we have been doing, I mean, if you, again, on, um, we've got that app on the phone, you know, the plane finder? Yeah, yeah. Because my, my daughter's got enough phone. Everywhere we go, we see a plane, we fly it up and we try to see where these people are going. A lot of people seem to go to Manchester this way. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be every Manchester. There you go. So, again, that's pretty sad, but it's quite exciting when you put your phone up to the sky and you see, oh, where's that plane going? So, I, we've done that numerous times on our holiday this week. Excellent. What, what, a, what a time the Gerrards are having. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, what a great day yes. I am, truly, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get, they're probably looking forward to you clearing off for a week, mate. Yeah, anyway, that could be let's the case, yes. head on with the show. And we can only start with the big news, which broke earlier on today. As Neil Cugley stepped back as folks in the victim manager after more than 26 years at the helm. It's perhaps not quite as dramatic as it sounds, as he is just actually stepping in to do more work behind the scenes at the club that he has served so tremendously. And his trusted lieutenants, Roland Edge and Michael Everett, will be carrying on their own good work Uh they've been doing a lot of the coaching and in, in, in many ways Neil was kind of stepped back a little bit and been more of a director of football the last few years so it's, it's a very seamless transition so it's not quite the oh my god Neil Cugley's left as it, as we initially thought it might have been uh, Neil Cugley's put a statement on the Invicta website which says as people may have heard this is to be my final season as manager of folks in Victor and following discussions on Monday afternoon with Michael and Roland I'm pleased to say they have agreed to accept responsibilities of running the first team from this weekend until the end of the season I hope that everybody will support them as they've been loyal employees of, the, of our club for a long time and deserve all of our support. And as we all know, the circumstances have changed during the latter couple of weeks and I've been involved with supporting the remaining members of the board in trying to get the investment required to maintain and meet the financial shortfall that we now need. Due to this, I feel that with all the meetings and numerous phone calls, it's difficult to concentrate on all aspects of the club and being honest, this may have reflected on the players and the disappointing results. Due to the current shortfall, I've agreed to forego any wages for the rest of the season to assist the club's financial position. Uh, it doesn't surprise me the class of that from Neil Cugley. Uh, we did try to get someone on the on the show from Invicta, uh, but it was just a little bit too short notice for this week. But we should be hearing from Neil himself on next week's show. But for now, Matt, let's pay tribute to what a great job Neil Cugley has done at Folks in Invicta. 
Brilliant. Yeah, I did text Neil. Um, I have to say, he's the best manager I text. He's brilliant with emojis. It's always a football. Boom. Neil Cugley, at the end of a conversation. Boom. Well, yeah, I did text him saying sad news and we're going to get him on next week because he was busy this evening. Um, I think it's 1,299 games and a man who likes a stat, absolutely destroyed not getting to the 1,300. But it's something you're never, ever likely to see again. A manager... Um, 25 years, just over 25 years in one club, um, an absolute legend, an absolute gentleman who um, has done absolutely fantastic for that football club. And reading between the lines on that, I, I presume that he's, I don't know if he's going to be the new chairman or he's going to get people in to do the chairman's role. And maybe they have got a few problems and not taking his salary. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, just gutted for him. He didn't a, get that promotion to the Conference South, which he deserved, and get into the FA Cup um, first round and that game against Merthyr. You know, maybe sort of quickened it as well, what, what he was going to do. But I really got to feel, um, I think he's done a fantastic job. And up there with Chris Kinnear is, for me, the best managers Kent ever produced in, in my lifetime, I would say. Well, and and mine as well. I mean, if you look, 26 years, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, well, I was 15 26 years yeah. ago, so that shows you just exactly how long Neil Cugley has been in charge. You know, if I started doing something now, I'd be 67 when it when it came to in 26 years' time. And you know, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And you say he might be stepping into a sort of role where he's going to be trying to get the investment. Well, what better poster boy is there to try and bring investment into the club than the man who has focused in Victory's heart and has been the manager for 26 years? And and as everybody has said, loads of tributes all over the place. Uh, Mr. Folks and Victor, always so friendly, always very uh, willing to chat and, and talk about football. We've had him on this show umpteen times, haven't we? And, and you know, he's a, he's, he's a great bloke. He's done a great job. And um, I hope that actually he will be able to, he, he's, he said he was going to get packing in the end of the season anyway. I hope that he's able to actually have some time to, to enjoy himself uh, and, uh, away from football. Uh, going forward because do you know what kind of a bit like we said last week you do need a rest every now and then don't you and and I think that he, he more than anybody has earned it yeah yeah again how many teams has he built in that 25 years you know how many players he's gone through um it's interesting you know the heartbreak he had when he was when Paul Sykes died when he was involved there you know he's seen um and how, how he handled himself in that situation there was a sign of the man, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm sure he'll be heavily, you know, involved at Folkestone there. But again, I, I see Rangers are going to have a, a statue of Walter Smith. I don't know how you commission a statue, but surely, if, if this was Football Manager, it would be called the Neil Neil Cugley Stadium, wouldn't it? I don't know what the best thing you can do to to do that, but such a a, a top man who, you know. Come up, picking up with my name questions and that, and you can see it on social media on these sort of things. That everybody's put so much nice words about him that I don't think anybody's had a bad word to say about him. If you're a player or a journalist or just a fan, what a what a great servant he's been to Kent football. And, it, and today it's probably is a sad day for Kent football, John. We've had some great times over the years, but you know, setting down it's end of an era really, and uh, quite sad in a way. But what a magnificent achievement. Yeah, I completely agree. Just uh, he has been, uh, well, he's just always been there. You know, I mean, I've been, 
I've been a journalist in Kent for a lot of my career and, and certainly, you know, I've been, it was what, nearly 10 years ago that I started working for the local papers and it was just, well, Neil, Neil Cugley is, is, is there. He's the folks manager. It's Neil Cugley. He's the folks And it's, it is going to be very strange that actually, no, he's not the folks and Victor manager anymore. Um, and as you say, all the, all the tributes are richly deserved uh, for a, a great man who's done great things and, has got that club going in the right direction. We're going to hear actually later on a, a manager uh, talking about uh, about the impact that Neil Cugley's had on Kent football. And, and, and that's an interesting listen as well. And, and when that bit comes up, actually, I think you're, a lot of people will be nodding along uh, with, with what that says. And I think, do you know what? I think he's, he's done a great job and I wish him well. And I, and I hope that uh, his his current role help, he's able to help them get in the right direction off the pitch now because he's done such a good job on it. Yeah, it's a bit of a concerning and with the chairman leaving, um, where folks are heading. If somebody did text me, um, somebody who's been involved in the game and said, I don't know how you know about that, maybe looking to cut the budget as well because of uh, the issues they've got to make sure they see through the season. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But if any, as you said, anybody who can sell folks in Victor to an investor, look at that man, 25 years at the club and good luck to Roland Edge, who's been there a long time, and Michael Everett as well, and players who've been with him. Um, I'm sure they'll do a good job, but they've had an excellent ground in working with him as well. So um, I'm sure Folkestone, you know, results need to improve, but maybe a little bit of spark, extra different voice in the dressing room could be the way forward for them. But um, I'm sure Neil Cuckley will still just be involved at least to the end of the season this way and hopefully in a role that can uh, get Folkestone going in the right direction. Yes, they are 16th in the table at the moment. Yeah, I, disappointing week. I didn't realise that. How... Um, yeah, bad, bad couple of weeks for them, really, isn't it? Yeah, they lost 2-0 at Kingston on Saturday, then 1-0 at Shorten on Monday night. A pretty rubbish weekend all round in that division for, for our teams, to be honest. Craig Wanderers did get a point from a 1-1 draw with Enfield, but Herne Bay lost 3-0 at home to Hastings. Margate went down 2-0 at Lewis. Uh, FA Trophy action this weekend for Invicta as they host Horsham. Well, Herne Bay are at Enfield, Margate host Hornchurch. Gate then go to Carshalton on Monday. Uh, let's move down into the Eastman League South East, and we're not going to go too far up the road from Folkestone, to be honest. Our first interview of the week comes from Hyth Town. As Steve Watt returned to the club in the summer after leaving during last season, and they started comfortably a mid-table. And on Saturday, they held Ashford to a 1-1 draw. Or rather, as you're about to hear, were held to a 1-1 draw by Ashford. I spoke to Steve earlier today. Yeah, I said, um, we're disappointed, really. Should have been three. Um, is the way we've got to look at it but um, I think barring a, well, one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen since since being a manager um, we would have had all three points um, but yeah it was a tight game Tom's teams are always good you know it always up there um, challenging for titles so it was a good measuring stick for us that we said it was going to be and um, yeah to, to come away disappointed not to, to win at least well, two or three one um, was, was was some well a massive positive we have got to take from it um, but uh, we're showing we can compete with the better teams this year or the teams with a lot of resources um, at their disposal um, we're showing we can, go, we can compete with them so if we can start turning these draws into wins um, we can we can put ourselves right up there How do you feel as a manager when you, as you say you, you've chucked everything at a team and the goalkeeper's just been incredible against you do you just sort of after at the end of the game just shake his hand and say well played and, and, and dust yourselves down and move on Yeah I was, I was standing applauding him during the game um, after the save he, he made I would say three three saves I still don't know how he's made um, in his second half uh, so the first half Ashford shaded it you know if it was a boxing match you'd probably say they 
they were ahead in points, but without really testing the keeper. But territory wise, and and um, they, they felt they, they would have felt they were on top slightly. But then after they scored, we kicked into gear again, and then it was just all us for the rest of the game. Um, but when a keeper's in that form, there's there's not much else you can do. Um, you always want you, you always want when you're getting chances to hit target and ask and ask the keeper questions. But we were hitting targets, putting it in the bottom corners, top corners, and he's he's still managed to get fingertip saves so he, I just found myself on the sideline applauding him and after the game just said to him one of the best performances I've seen Obviously we're nearly at the end of October and you've still only played eight league games but but you're doing okay 12 points I think it is unbeaten at home um, so I suppose it's a, a solid start but I guess you've found it hard to get a real momentum because of all the cup games that have got in the way both for you and other teams Yeah for me it's the cup games do get in the way and as I said there uh, Always want to do that well in the FA Cup and FA Trophy. You know, you want to do as well as you can, but then you have the other cups, obviously, the Kent Senior Cup and, and the Velocity Trophy. Um, yeah, look, you want to do well in these competitions if you can, but when you're working on, if you like, the resources we have and the squad we have, I can't afford injuries. You know, I think over the course of those two games, I mean, at Chichester, I had 13 players because um, we picked up knocks and niggles and strains from the Corinthian game and the... Um, the Ramsgate game. So, as I said, it's these competitions, if you like, they don't necessarily get in the way, but they're the high risk, I would say, when you're working with lower budgets and, and, and like not such deep squads. Um, two injuries, three injuries can massively impact the course of your season. So, that's why when these, these competitions are. I tend to make, or well, I made about six and seven changes to each, each of the teams. Um, but yeah, it also kills your momentum. So the eight games and you're, you're almost in November is, is, is unheard of, really. I know there's a few clubs put less than what we are because they've done well, like Seven Oaks and that in the, in the other cup competitions. But um, yeah, it does kill your momentum a little bit. But as I said, look, we played, I would say we're probably maybe four points worse off than what we should be when looking at the games we've played we should have beat Ramsgate um, we should have been 4 or 5 not maybe at Ramsgate at half time uh, but we didn't didn't take my chances made two mistakes and if you make mistakes against that type of teams you're going to be you're going to be punished and we were so we ended up losing that game Seven Oaks we obviously drew with sitting bomb we won um, and then Ashford on Saturday we um, we came, should have come away with three points so um, it's just pleasing when we look at the volume of what we've done in terms of the league um, where we've been in every single game and a chance to win every single game uh, so and we've not had any easy games if you like we've played a lot of the favourites a lot of, a lot of the teams that are are investing heavily in the squads for today to get promoted this year and as I said we've we've came out on top in, in most of them um, and so as I said we've got to be happy with how things are going so far Looking again at your, at your fixtures actually you played one home league game before the 8th of October. And you say about resources and, and things like that. How hard is it for a club like Hythe when you've got no games to, to bring the supporters in to come watch you? Because those gate receipts and the bar takings are crucial, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But look, it's lucky enough we've got... It's one of the reasons I came back to the club, obviously, how the club is run with the people that, that are behind it. They obviously run it in the right way and, and they don't overstretch themselves. That's the main reason why I went last year I didn't want the club to stretch themselves to keep me there so um, it's a credit to the club and how it's run but as I said it is difficult I mean we said that at the, at the time I mean I think we've got a lot of home games coming up now you know so it comes back it comes back round you know um, but at that period of time it must have been difficult for the club obviously 
with the cost of living and everything now, um, in terms of the use of the floodlights and things like that, it's uh, it would have been a lot worse maybe now than what it would have been back then. But um, but I'll be looking from a football point of view. We just go and play who we've got to play, where we've got to play, and it's as far as I see, it's a living the eleven on a grass pitch or a three G pitch, whatever it is, and you go and try and win a game no matter where it is. Um, and so that's one thing the group's bought into. Obviously, it's a whole new squad put together. I think there's only. I think two players, maybe one player from what um, Roger had there in the last year. Um, so we've we started from scratch again. Uh, and as I said, we're, we're, we're just going about our business quietly. No one worries about little old Pive. Um, as I said, I'm sure a lot of teams think it's disappointing to lose to us and, and not pick up points against us. But that's not the way we see it. We see ourselves as a, as a team that, that can be a big threat to teams in this league. Uh, and we just need to start. As I said, just turn, just finding the, just turning this, finding the formula, if you like, just to, to turn these draws, if you like, into wins. You know, like likes of your Ashfords and, and if you like, your Rams gets where we should have, should have been out of sight. You know, but can we find that just that one goal, if it is, that, that turns the tide? Um, we've got to try our best to find that. But as I said, coming back to the club, just want to be competitive and wanted to be up and around it, like I was when I left last year and. and Come November, we are, we're where I would want us to be. Um, obviously, if we win our games in hand, we can go into the playoffs. So it's it's definitely something and, and that I I was focusing on coming back to the club. It's not just been a club that's going to survive, but been a club that can they can they can if you like um, uh, punch above its weight a bit in the right at the top end of the table. Uh, this weekend, uh, Chatham away, and then on Tuesday night, Sheffield United at home. The two teams that were promoted into the, from the scaffold last season. Uh, I, I guess they both had contrasting starts to the season, but they're both going to be big tests for you. Yeah, very big tests. You know, obviously Chatham has got a great team down there. Team been uh, been together for a while. He's made some good additions to it. Um, a club very much on the on the rise. Uh, so it's like they haven't lost at home. So again, it's going to be a tough a tough game for us, but. Again, we'll just go there and do what we do. You know, we've, as I said, every game we've been in, we've been in now in terms of league games. If we've lost them, it's been by one goal. If like, or we've drawn, or we've played teams that, if you like, are more established teams at this level, but um, and done well against them. So we'll go down and, and do our best. That's all we can do, and, and the result will take care of itself. But as I said, there's we've got a good young squad here. It's starting to believe in itself. Um, and as long as we can keep keep on believing and, and keep on performing the way we are, I, I believe we can go to places like Chat and, 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 and win. You know, we can go to places, we can have Sheppies at home again and, and beat these teams. Um, I mean, we beat Beckham on Tuesday, last Tuesday night, a team very much on the up. Now, people may have said that uh, it was a hangover from Saturday because they got beat against against uh, Dallium and Redbridge uh, before they played us, but they're a team in the league's form has been excellent. So, And we beat them convincingly on that Tuesday evening. So we've got to try and replicate these performances uh, and get results because if we do that, uh, I think we'll be right up there coming this season. Uh, and just finally, obviously you had that time uh, away, you, you, you left Hive last season, you're back there. Did you miss it when you weren't in when you weren't in the dugout? Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, I think it was before I went in the Hive, I was out of football for a year and it's the longest I've ever been out. So I was very conscious of not being in that situation again. So when I when I when I've got in touch again, and I went down to a chat with the, with the club, you know, and obviously being out for being out for a period of time, you assess things, and you think. I know when I left last time, we were just outside the playoffs, um, 
but I thought we could, I, I, I needed to do things differently if I was to retire, particularly at this level. So that's why we've gone for a little bit, things a little bit more different, yes, yeah, so the budget's almost reduced since I was here last. Um, so we're working on less than what I, I did have before when I was working at the club before, but I still felt we needed to go down the route we'd gone down at Target, this, if you like, mid-20s, um, younger players just with a little bit of experience with them uh, to try and play a different way a different style and I think it's so far it's 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 we're reaping the benefits from it but we're eight games into a season we've still got a long long way to go so here's hoping we can or these players can keep up these types of performances so come the end of the season um, the club's up where I would like it to be and then around that playoffs and, and, and see what happens from there well, he's doing a good, solid job again there, Matt. And, and he certainly thinks they can move up the table even further. And, and I must say, very good to have him back on the show as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it always speaks sense, Steve Watt. You know, he, the career he had when he was at Chelsea um, comes down a, a man of Kent if he's, you know, been involved with the clubs at Maidstone. He was at Dover for a while. And Hyde are, are lucky to have him. And I think the points he made there about coming back, everything had to be right for him. Very praising of the, the board of the club. And, only eight league games to go, eight league games gone. Um, they're heading in the right direction and to completely re-rip the squad up from what James Rogers had at the end of the season that kept him up. I think he's doing a, a very decent job and, again, good to see he's looking up rather than down because Hive last season, we were at one point concerned they were going out of the league, didn't we? Yeah, and it was interesting that he said... He said you know the, the the remit last year was they what they had to stay in that league and he felt it was better for him to to move aside and someone do that but then when the opportunity came back up again to to go in there he wanted to go in and and change things up and and do things differently and and bring in young hungry players and and that's what he's done and i think that's you know full credit to him uh, he's obviously a very passionate football man as he said there you know he hated being out of the game um and it and it's it's great to see them doing well and, and you know Hythe They've had their moments of being in and around the the playoffs in in that division, and they've certainly got the potential to to get around the the, the top. They're they're a fully established Isthmian League Southeast club now, and it, and you know we've got several of them in Kent that have uh, that have made the most of where they are and have stabilised. And now the the challenge is is to is to push on. Herne Bay did it. Uh, Ramsgate are looking to do it this season and, and Hythe Town, that's probably the model they want to follow. They want to be the next Turn Bay and, and get themselves up there. And under Steve Watt, who's got good connections, if they can bring in young players and those young players do well and, and then other players see that it's a good stepping stone for them, then that's the way to do it, isn't it? When you're a club like Hythe with the budgetary constraints that they've got and, and everything like that, and you know the difficulty, as I mentioned there, about how they'd, they'd only had one league game by the 8th of October. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, it's obviously been tough for them, but it sounds to me like they've got sensible people running the club and they've got their first team is in the hands of a manager who who has the interest of the club at heart as well. Yeah, I think you said about the, the changes with the various cup competitions playing, but now hopefully they've got a few league games going on. He can get a settled side. Eight games on, only six goal conceded. I suppose he's a little bit disappointed he've only scored 10 in that situation, but... As I'm from my mate, dad I spoke to last week, he was very praising of Steve Watt as a manager and how he brought him on as a player um, from that point of view. It's got to follow it up now. Again, I still get, every week I get bemused how they come, they've played eight games and basically we're into November next week. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, but hopefully that little time now, is a long way to go, isn't it? 38 games, you've got 30 games to go. So I think he's, Steve Watt has got a, a good base to work with. I th- he wouldn't have come back 
if he if he didn't think he could do that. And he's got good connections. And I think players will probably work for him and play for him as well. So if he can get the squad settled down, they can move up the division. Playoffs, I think they may be six sides stronger than them, but they'll give it a good go this season. I think, yeah, I think it might be a case that there are teams for them, but there's always someone who sneaks in there. And, mm. and why not Hyde Town? You know, it's, it's a, we know Ashford are a very good side. We know Ashford have got a, a good budget. And but by, by what you said there, you know, they're a goalkeeping performance away from from getting a good win there. And, and you know, I think not many teams are going to fancy going down to Hyde to, to, to play them because they know they're a good side. Unbeaten at home. Yeah, they've only won one at home, but they're unbeaten at home. And, that, and that's a good start. And it, it, And that's... You know, if you're hard to beat, that's that's a very, very good solid base to be on. And I think Hyde are, high, are hard to beat. Yeah, I'm looking at the league table there. It's it's, it's an interesting league um, from where, where where they can go. I'm sure they can be competitive this season. He wouldn't have come back, I'll leave it like this. He wouldn't come back if they couldn't be competitive. I think last season, when they were cutting the budget, I think that they couldn't be competitive. And James Rogers kept them up, which was good to see. But now... He'll be there to be competitive because I'm sure Steve Watt, you know, we've seen the likes of Neil Cugley winning out. Steve Watt, there's no reason why, not necessarily at high, he can't be managing for the next 10, 15 years at this level at Kent Clubs. You know, the old breed's going, the new breed's coming in, if you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, just finally on high. Have you seen the picture that I tweeted out, that I retweeted, of uh, of their midfielder from Saturday's game, Jared Trespadani, uh, where... Uh, Ian Scammell, uh, friend of mine, uh, former photographer where I used to work, managed to get a picture of uh, of Jared with his uh, heading the ball and literally the ball is almost completely covered by his hair. It's a magnificent photo. I did see, I did see that. Is he, I don't know if he's got big hair anyway, but... He's got massive hair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a good photo, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he does some really good stuff at Ashford, Ian, as well. So, um, yeah, excellent. Again, Another one who does a good job in the uh, in the non-league game, but it seems a good result. And a, and if Steve Watt said it, it's one of the best goalkeeper performances he's seen. I think you have to do, um, take that as well. So uh, very proud man at Ashford uh, with the performance there. Absolutely. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, Beckenham beat three Bridges three nil. Faversham went down four one at Burgess Hill in Simon Austin's first league, league game in charge. Uh, Chatham beat Chichester two one. Cray Valley beat Haywardsley five nil. Uh, VCD lost 2-1 at Lansing. Rimesgate stayed top off for their 2-0 win over Corinthian. Sevenoaks won 1-0 at Sheppey. Sittingbourne lost 1-0 at home to Littlehampton. Ashford then beat three Bridges 2-1 on Tuesday night. They are second ahead of Chatham on goal difference and three points behind the Rams, with both of the chasing pair having a game in hand. Uh, this weekend, as we've already heard, it's Chatham against Hyde. Cray Valley hosts three Bridges. Beckenham travel to Haywards Heath. Corinthian go to Lansing. I wonder if their manager's going to bother with that one this time. Uh, it's Ramsgate against Sevenoaks. Sittingbourne hosts Ashford. VCD at home to Chichester. Faversham travel to Whitehawk. Beckenham then hosts Chichester on Tuesday, while Hythe hosts Sheppey United and Sevenoaks take on Burgess Hill on Wednesday night. Uh, let's move into the scaffold now. And it was the FA Vars for many of our clubs at the weekend. And the biggest winners were Deal Town, who put seven past Tooting Beck. They then returned to league action on Tuesday night, but were held to a 1 1 draw at Beersted. A mixed week then for the Hoops and their boss, Steve King, who I also spoke to earlier today. Oh, uh, the result, massively disappointing because uh, we played incredibly well. Um, we had full control of the game, really didn't really look under any threat and then gave away a soft penalty from a 70-yard straight ball in the 91st minute, um, which was really frustrating. Um, Beer said are a good side and we went there and 
other than them having a little spell in the first half, we had good control of the game. We got in front. They didn't really create anything second half um, before the equaliser. They they alamoed us for about three or four minutes after that, to be fair. Um, but I couldn't see anybody other than ourselves winning the game and it, it just come as a real sucker punch. You say that they didn't really create a lot. I suppose that's the the problem that you have was that you were only 1-0 up. Yeah, look, we, we missed some good chances during the game. Um, we probably should have put the game to bed. Um, we scored just before half-time. I'd say the first half was pretty even, to be honest. Um, we probably had more goal-mouth chances, but they probably had a bit more of the ball. Um, but second half, we sort of... The game panned out exactly as it was, and we had three or four good chances that we should have put it to bed. But also, the goal we conceded was just not acceptable for um, the standards that we set, and we should have seen the game through. Um, and uh, one nil away from home's a good win. You shouldn't always have to score two, three, or four um, to win the game. So it, it was really disappointing. That's four league games without a win as well. So you must be really frustrated by that. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Because uh, I think I'm learning to deal with it myself, the, the level of expectation, because we've gone four league games without a win, but we've lost one game in our last eight. Um, and when you're trying to compete at the top end of the league, you, you realise how much draws hurt you, um, as opposed to converting them into wins. Um, in, in this little run of four games where we haven't had a win, we were soundly beaten at Phoenix no excuses they were a lot better than us on the day and deserved the win but the other three games we were 2-1 up at Tunbridge Wells with nine minutes left I, I still don't know how we didn't beat Hollands and Blair with the amount of chances we had on that night um, and then like I've just explained last night it was really frustrating so we're sat there having lost one game in our last eight but feeling like we're in a disappointing run of form so it's, it's a bit of a new experience for us to be honest and a, and a big test on, on Saturday as, as Stansfield come to visit second in the league. It's, it's very tight there, isn't it? There's, what, three points between second and fifth. So it does just go to show that these are the games that could be important if you want to get up towards the top of the table at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, our home form's been very good. Um, we're unbeaten at home at the minute. Stansfield are a good side. Um, I'm certainly not surprised that they're up there competing. I think sides that come up with momentum um, like we saw with Kennington last year that momentum often carries you through um, you're also in a little bit of an unknown quantity and we know you don't get to the last 16 of the bars like they did last year of have been a good side um, so I'm not surprised where they're at but it's a game we're looking forward to um, I think we've played 18 games now including the cup games and I'll probably say Phoenix away was the only one where we haven't been at the races so um we don't, I mean, there's no fear. It's a game that we're all looking forward to. We've beaten Glebe at home, we've beaten Whitstable at home. Um, like I say, we've nine games unbeaten at home, so um, we're looking forward to it, but it's going to be a real big test. I know you watch a lot of football. How, how good do you think the scaffold is this year? Um, uh, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, the, the depth of it is strong again. Um, I haven't seen any really, really poor sides. Um, you, you played, I look at like Beer said last night, I think they're down in 12 or 13. Um, and there'll be a match for anybody over 90 minutes. Uh, I, I haven't seen Aaron from Bellevue yet, to be honest. Um, with the other sides at the top, I don't think there's anyone at the minute 
at the standard where Sheppey and Chatham were last year, so I expect it to remain quite open. Um, but it's just very, very competitive, and every every three points has to be hard earned. Away from the league, obviously you're through in the FA Vars, a, a big win over Tooting Beck, and I suppose it was one of those. You're at home, they're a step below. You, you've got to go there and do the job professionally, and, and he did exactly that. Yeah, I thought we were we were very very good on the day. Um, it obviously had a bit of a banana skin feel about it, um, but we went out. We, we got to the levels that we know we're capable of, and um, like I say, it, we're almost a little bit different from last year. Last year, our away form was very good, um, and we struggled a little bit at home. And it's almost as if we we did quite a lot of work pre-season on how to play at home and how to sort of get on the front foot and get an ascendancy. We've almost lost a little bit of what made us good away from home. So we've sort of improved in one area and maybe dropped off in another. We've lost a little bit of pace on the counter-attack. But what was really pleasing about Saturday was I don't think that's a game we win 7-0 last year. Um, I think we probably labour to maybe a 2 or 3-0 win. Um so really pleased having beaten K Sports five one the week before in the Kent Senior Trophy to go and put on a really good attacking performance at home in front of another good crowd. The Vars means a lot to Deal Town, doesn't it? As we all know. Yeah, we can't get away from it. Tell me, I, I, I would love the competition if I wasn't a Deal. I think the fact that you know you're never going to play anybody above your own level, and you've got a chance to go anywhere in the country in the latter rounds and the finals at Wembley, I think that's really exciting. Um, but obviously, it, with Deal, it's the only Ken team to have won the Vars. It, it, it's always going to have that extra little bit about it for us. Unfortunately, in the next round, you've got the team that you just said with the team that have given you the, the, the biggest hide you've had so far this season. You'd much rather have played a team who weren't in the scaffold, wouldn't you, in the second round proper? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. You, we wanted a home draw against a non scaffold side. Um, and we got an away draw against a good scaffold side. Um, but... Cup draws are cup draws, aren't they? And um, we, we respect Phoenix. They're a, they're a good side. They've got a lot of experience, a lot of good players. But when we went there, not making excuses, it was a day of the big crash on the A2. And we had very poor preparation before the game. We give a goal away after four minutes. They got their tails up. And it was one of those days where nothing seemed to go right for us. But we've got an experience enough group of players that when we go down the 12th of November it's a completely fresh game it's a completely new game and um, it's one that we'll be looking forward to and we'll be doing our very best to, to go there and, and get a result I think before the league game probably a lot of people have looked at Phoenix doing and said that's going to be a very tight game um, so I would imagine people will be thinking the same um, when we come around to that Vars game in a couple of weeks uh, and just finally, we're speaking on, on Wednesday afternoon, the last half an hour or so, it's been announced that Neil Cugley has resigned from Folkestone. Uh, I guess uh, every young manager like yourself would, would like to pay tribute to the job he did at Folkestone. Well, yeah, I, I think firstly, um, congratulations to him on a, a brilliant career. Um, that that longevity of service um, is incredible, knowing do you know I mean, the amount of hours and time and stress that goes into it and for, to have done it at that level um, for such a long time I think is an outstanding achievement um, and also folks in a club that are important to us because our philosophy and our model of um, building a, a core group of local players 
um, is something that's sort of served Folkestone well all the time. Neil's been there, really. So there's, you can name players that I call Folkestone players. Um, do you know what I mean? You're, you're Josh Vincent. Do you know what I mean? People like that, that as soon as you say their name, you think Folkestone. Um, and that's something that we've tried to do with our squad as well, to, to really build that core of players that are very loyal to the club um, and then try and add the quality in around it, which he's done successfully. So obviously massive um, respect to, to Neil for the job he's done, but also from our point of view, it's a, it's a, and from my point of view personally, his philosophy and the way he went is something that we're trying to sort of follow and aspire to. As I said, there were some nice words to come about Neil Cugley and, and Steve on the on the money there. Um, we've got some good young managers in, the, in this county who'll definitely be looking up to Neil. Steve's one of them. And his deal side are doing OK, even though, as, as he said, Darren, I've talked about this before. You can be on a really good unbeaten run, but if you're drawing games, the second that you lose one, it becomes a bit of a problem. And that's exactly the situation Deal Town are in at the moment. He said, we've lost one in eight, but they're four without a win in the league. Uh Small margins. Did you seem that concerned about that when you asked him the question about the league? He said, "There's no Sheppy or Chatham." We were probably saying it when we go to about Eris in a minute that the league was over. But I don't think, it, from reading between the lines, he thinks there's well, arguably is a long way to go. There is a long way to go in this division, and he, if Deal, all the likes of Whitstable or Lee Jones can go on a bit of a run, there'll be no reason why they can't catch them. So he didn't seem too downhearted. The only thing I've got out of that, he feels the pressure about the Vars a little bit, I think, doesn't he? Because mm. it's a competition that everybody wants to win from that. But yeah, Steve King, again, he knows what he's doing. I think Deal will be one of the sides at the top end of the table. Will he be disappointed with the start? 12 points, 12 games gone, 21 points? I'm sure he would be. But I think he knows when they hit the straps a little bit, they can go on a bit of a run. So not too downhearted. And maybe the defeat of Aerith and Belvedere is galvanised a few clubs that maybe it's not all over what well, I thought it would be all over I think as well it's very interesting what you said there about the psyche of it all where you know you said we're the exact opposite of what we were last year yeah. last year we found it really hard to play at home and we were really good away and now this year we're brilliant at home but we're struggling to get the results away from home and and you know, that's the balance that I guess everybody's trying to strike um, but it must be very very difficult for for, for them to to, to to be in that situation um, and obviously disappointing result would be as did as he said there, Beerstead are no mugs. They're a half-decent side. But you've got to take your chances when you're on top and then you yeah. and then it doesn't matter if you can if you concede late on, does it? Well, they've got the firepower as well, I would have to say. Um, the players they've got, you can see by scoring seven in the thing, they've got the players to score goals. Um, again, he said about that as well, you don't need to score many goals away from home. And I think you were, what he was saying, he'd love a dirty 1-0 away, away win away from home to get that sort of juggernaut sort of rolling a little bit so yeah I think they're doing okay could they be doing better probably um but I still think they'll be up there once once they get going off the pitch a club going in the right direction and Steve King's definitely the man to take them in the right direction as well be a fantastic achievement if they got promoted but and I still think they'll be one of the main contenders to get involved in this division yeah absolutely and and you know we, we'll probably come on to it in a little bit more detail, sure, but we talked about Whitsville last week and where they were in the league. Two wins this week and they're up to fifth. You know, yeah. it, it just goes to show. And I, feel, I think at the moment, you know, even if you do see that Irith and Belvedere have kind of uh, got, gone away into the distance a little bit, even though they were beaten for the first time on Saturday, it's kind of all, 
all those teams in and around there are all just kind of scrapping with each other. And I think it's going to be a fascinating battle. And if Everton Belvedere do have a bit of a blip after that opening defeat, then it'll be very interesting to see how quickly they can get swallowed up into the pack, I suppose. Yeah, and again, that game on Saturday for Deal, they've got two games in hand of Stansfield. If they can beat Stansfield, that drags them back into it and puts a little bit of pressure on the other sides as well. So, yeah, um, it's been a good week for Whitstable in this division as well, seeing the results they've got. And now, uh, as, we, as my tip for the start of the season, a new manager's come in, new manager, new manager bounces work for them and see how they go. But yeah, long way to go yet. But for Deal, I feel for them, for the, the uh, if I'm disappointed, as we always said, going back to the draw in the Vars, we want to see non-scaffold teams playing each other. That's a bit of a blow for that. We're going to lose one of them from there. Because I always think, John, we've got a chance in this, in that competition for one of our sides to go on and win it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, say about Whitsford, this time last week when they brought their new manager in, uh, and Marcel, I just want to thank you for the nice message that you sent us in the week. Um, we were looking saying, well, they're in mid-table, oh, it's not going very well. They've had two games this week and they're now level on points with Dealer. We think we've had an excellent start to the season. Yeah, so yeah. it does just so, go to show um, the, the way that it goes. Let's go through the results uh, that we've had in the scaffold over the, the last few days. The FA Vars, uh, there was one game on Sunday. It finished AFC Whiteleaf 7, Snodland Town 1, which is a bit of a, uh, a surprise, that one. A lot of late goals there. Uh, for Whiteleaf, Snobden did take the lead in that one. Uh, Phoenix Sports were 3-2 winners at AFC Portchester. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Matt. Do you know who scored the two goals for AFC Portchester? Um, no, I don't. It was Brett Pittman. Formerly, Brett. <laughs> he's he's only about 34 and he's playing for AFC Portchester. Unbelievable no, scenes. He was, he scored... he was at um, Bristol Rovers last season. <clears throat> Exactly. And, and now he's banging the goals in in, in step five. Unbelievable. Uh, Fisher, and let's talk about this one now, shall we? Uh, oh. Fisher drew 2-2 with AFC Stoneham. Uh, Fisher subsequently won that game 5-3 on penalties. And Fisher have now been told that they've got to replay that game again. Uh, basically, what has happened is the referee sin-binned a Stoneham player two minutes from time. Uh, and that player was therefore then not allowed to take part in the penalty shootout. The problem is that he should have been allowed to take part in the penalty shootout. He possibly would have taken one of the penalties and there may not have been, and therefore there may have been a different outcome. So the FA, in their infinite wisdom, have ruled that the game has got to be replayed at AFC Stoneham this weekend. Uh, Now, I feel sorry for Fisher there because they've done the job. They've won the game. It's not their fault that the referee has, has, has made a mistake. But on the flip side of that... It's not AFC Stoneham's fault that the referees made the mistake. I, I think replaying it perhaps may be the sensible thing to do if the, if the rule has been broken. Um, but surely the common sense thing would be to not to have Fisher travelling all that way down at the weekend, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I've seen a few of these. There's a few of these, that, again, that games have gone to penalties when they shouldn't have done or something that should have been extra time. Again, I don't know if it's the, the way the... Um, if they get the rules out, you've got to feel for that because nothing Fisher's fault at all. The guy clearly been sin bin, shouldn't have been again. It's one of these questions. Well, I suppose normally in a football game, if you get red carded, you can't take part in the penalty shootout. And maybe that's what the referee thought. So maybe there hasn't been enough communication regarding this. But clearly, the AFC Stone. I don't know if they looked at the. Um, the rule book after they've been knocked out and found a bit of loophole. But yeah, I feel really sorry for Fisher in that game. And somehow you feel that AFC Stoneham will be uh, 
the side with the ascendancy going into that game. Yeah, I, I feel feel for that there. But I don't, I, do you blame the referee or do you blame the FA for those sort of things? I think they're both they're both equally to blame, aren't they? I think yeah, the rules haven't been clearly um, clearly put across enough. And, and do you know what? I'm going to chuck one into the mix here, right? So the player was Simbin, what a couple of minutes from time. I think that player should be Simbin for the to make up the rest of his Simbinning at the start of the game, wow. just to give Fisher a bit of an advantage. How about that? I'm sure the logical bit of that is probably not through. No, I, I just crazy. <laughs> I'll be gutted if you're Fisher and that thinking you get it through and then you have got to go all the way. Where is Stoneham? Uh, Eastley, so oh, a uh, trek, then. quite a trek yeah. for them, um, and they were supposed to be having a charity um, weekend as yeah, well this yeah, weekend, I saw that as well, which so. has also been cancelled. So very, very frustrating. The rest of the results in the Vars, anyway, uh, as we've already mentioned, deal seven nil winners over two team Beck. Uh, Irith Town beat Crawley down Gatwick by a goal to nil. Beerstead went out as they lost three one at Jersey Bulls. It was a hat trick for the aptly named Tom Scorer. Uh, as Kennington beat Backfield and Langley 3-1. Another hat-trick as well, uh, Luke Burden for Larkfield and New Hyde in their 3-1 win over Edgware. And Kingsbury Lidtown went out on penalties against Holyport. And Rustall also lost on penalties against Montpellier Villa. Uh, quite annoyingly, Holyport and Montpellier Villa then drew each other in the next round, uh, which was a little bit frustrating, I'd imagine, uh, for all concerned. Uh, the draw was made, as we've already touched upon uh, on Monday. Stansfeld will be at home to Crowborough Athletic. Glebes will take on Sporting Bengal United. As we've already heard from Steve King, it's Phoenix Sports against Deal Town. Another home tie for Irith Town as they play Guildford City. Kennington will travel to Athletic Newham. Let's hope they've sorted their pitch out. Uh, Fisher or AFC Stoneham will be at home to Jersey Bulls. Larkfield and New Hyde will take on Tunbridge Wells. North Greenford United against AFC Whiteleaf, who are in the First Division and are still flying the flag for the Scaffold First Division. There's some interesting ties there. Those ties are on the November the 12th, uh, so we'll discuss them in detail in a couple of weeks' time in the Scaffold. As you've already heard, Whitstable Town have had a really good week. Uh, starting life under their new manager, Marcel Nemani, with a pair of wins. 2-0 at Stansfeld on Saturday, followed by a 4-0 win. Uh, at K-Sports on Monday, and that shot them up to fifth in the table. Elsewhere on Saturday, it was Irith and Belvedere 1, Tunbridge was 5, four goals in that one for Trevor McCready, and Lordswood beat Punjab United by three goals to two. And then on Tuesday night, a smattering of fixtures. Uh, it finished basically one deal town, one as we've already heard. Uh, Glee beating 3-1 at home by Fisher, a hat-trick in that one for Michael Sarpong. Sutton Athletic 5-0 winners at Hollands and Blair. And Tunbridge Wells just showing the f- nature of this league Lost 2-1 at home to Stansfeld. Uh, so an inconsistent week for them. Uh, and, and yes, all plenty of action there. Games on Wednesday night as well. Finished Canterbury 2, Kennington 2, Rustall 1, Holmesdale 1. Uh, in I the first... Punjab, bottom of the league, John. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise. No, look at the results. Conceded a few recently. I know they expect big expectations this season, wasn't it, Punjab? And, and I'm sure Chippy will be working really hard to move them off the table. So, um, yeah, they need to... Pick up some performances, yeah. I feel a bit for them because, you know, it's such a good club doing a great deal in the community. Just the results haven't really gone for a while, have they, for them? They haven't. Uh, in the first division uh, at the weekend, it was Bermondsey Town 2, Rochester United 3, Croydon 1, Forest Hill Park 1, Staples Monarchs 0, FC Elmstead 0. And it was Lewis and Borough 1, SC Thamesmead 1. Uh, Harry Main, the goal scorer for SC Thamesmead in that game. And uh, Harry and his family have been hit by an absolute nightmare this week as their house uh, caught fire. I believe it was a boiler explosion uh, and the whole place has been absolutely gutted. Um, there is a collection going around, which we will tweet out of the um, Kent Only podcast account. So if you can spare any money uh, for the main family, that would be much, much appreciated. Uh, 
One game in the first division on Wednesday night as well. And Snodland Town were 2 1 winners over Faversham Strike Force to go top of the league. Uh, so after their disappointment in the Vars on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, sorry. After their disappointment in the Vars on Sunday, Snodland bouncing back by going top of the league. And, and I guess, you know, we had the Snodland manager on last week. I, I, he would probably fancy that the league would be gutted that they went out the Vars in the manner they did. But to go top of the league will give them a, a massive boost. Yeah, good result against uh, Faversham Strike Force. Gives them a bit of a. Unless Lid can still go top, but Lid have lost the last two, so very tight division up there with you know only four points to operate in the, the um, top seven. So um, yeah, good good division there, but you you expect Snodland and Larkfield and Newhide to be the teams to beat. But um, yeah, good result at Faversham Strike Force as as we saw from Faversham Strike Force, they've had a, they've had a good season themselves. Yes, uh, this weekend in. <laughs> In the scaffold, which we've already heard, the FA Vars official back to Stoneham. Uh, in the Premier Division, Dealtown at home to Stansfeld. It's Town against K-Sports. Glebe take on Canterbury City. A 2pm kickoff as Hollands and Blair host Holmesdale. Kennington host Phoenix Sports. It's Punjab against Beersted. Rustall against Lordswood. Tunbridge Wells take on Wellingtown. It's Whitswell Town against Irith and Belvedere. And then in Monday night, K-Sports are at home to Kennington. And Tuesday night, Wellingtown at home to Lordswood. And in the first division of the scaffold on Saturday, uh, Faversham Strike Force against Lewisham Boroughs, FC Olmstead against AFC Whiteley, Forest Hill Park take on Larkfield and New Hythe, Greenways against Croydon, Meridian VP against Lidtown, Rochester United against Brydon Rose, SC Thamesmead at home to Bermondsey Town, and Tooting Beck take on Staplehurst Monarchs. There's one game in that division on Wednesday night as well, uh, Brydon Rose against FC Olmstead. Now, game got... which the ball against Erith Belvedere. Certainly is. Certainly, yes. certainly is, and that, which will know, need to sort their home form out, as we saw early in the season. Marcel's Erith first home game in charge as well, isn't it? So yeah, hopefully be a big crowd. I didn't see Eric and Belfordy losing the Tunbridge Wells, and um, see how they bounce back from that. And I love this division when Tunbridge Wells then losing the week after putting on a fantastic performance to beat Eric. So anybody can beat anybody, and I think the league will be hoping that Whitstable can beat Eric and Belvedere on Saturday. Yeah, not necessarily the league itself, but everybody else in the league. I yes, think exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think uh, that they'll be sitting there going, come on. No, think, uh, <laughs> well, you never know. Well, that, that is true. You never, never know. Uh, let's move on to the National League. And not a good week uh, for Maidstone United. Again, we spoke last week about them uh, a little bit and, and pondering uh, if there's going to be any pressure on Hakane Reti. We said they had a tough game at Notts County and then a, a, a home game as well uh, on Tuesday night. and kind of didn't really want to lose both those games by three goals to nil, did they? 3-0 defeat at Notts County on Friday and a 3-0 home defeat for uh, against Southend on Tuesday. Now, you're there on Saturday, Matt, so you'll be able to give us the inside track. Yes. Um, Maystone against Yeovil. Uh, team against the worst two teams, well, worst informed teams in the division. Both managers could be on the brink. Um, again, I... I see some of the, you know, Oliver Ash, you know, from a, from afar, I, you know, I know how tough the National League is. Um, I've been involved in it the last eight years or so. I know the, the board have come under a bit of criticism from some of the fans um, for not investing money in, um, which I, I can see where they're coming from. But when we've had Oliver Ash on, on the show here, he's not going to throw money at it for Maidstone, you know, to try and compete. You can't compete in this division if you haven't got a lot of money. And the main aim probably at the start of the season is then finish fourth and bottom. They need, at the moment, the way they're performing, they're not doing very well. Um, haven't won since Bank Holiday Monday in August, which is a long time ago. Hakanay Retin under pressure. 
probably is under pressure. If he loses the next two home games, I would have thought the pressure will be too much from the outside for the board not to react. But I still go back to what my statement was last week. Maystone sacking Jay Saunders and the issues they had up to that point, I think, must be in the back of the minds of the owners that they don't want to get it wrong like they did that time. Um, Maystone is a good club. Um, just seems a little bit... The feel-good factor seems to have gone from the club, John, and it'll be interesting when I go there Saturday to think if that has gone, because Hakanay Retting was in very similar position this time last year when I went, last time I went, I think it was, when they'd lost six in the spin and then turned it around and walked the league. Has he got enough to do it in the next two games? It'll be interesting to see. Solihull will be a tough game. Solihull will be a decent side. Yeovil less so. So I think he's probably got to win one of the one out of the next two games, maybe to keep his job, do you think? Where would you stand on that? I, I, I'll be interested. I, I, funny enough, I was going to ask you when you were talking about that, I was thinking I'm going to ask him what the atmosphere was like that game last year when he was there. So it'll be interesting to see where that is. But I think it's really difficult when you get into such a bad run of form. I didn't realise they hadn't won since, uh, since for that yeah. long. And, and I think... The FA Cup exit has really not helped him there because if he had that in in his bank, then they'd be able to look at it and say, well, actually, do you know what? And I think I think I'm right in saying as well, Matt, that and I'm not I haven't got it in front of me now, but I will try and get out there. But they've got quite a tricky run of fixtures coming up as well. Um, so I think they've got some some big. But basically, well, they've got, I, they've got the likes of Scunthorpe and Oldham who are at the wrong end of the table. So they've got games that could be regarded as six pointers every game in this division is tough to be fair as we as we all know it is such a tough division to to be involved in um looking at on paper the squad to me hopefully it doesn't seem as much national league experience and the players they're getting in and haven't played at that level or play very few games at that level. And I do, do, do need a bit of nows to get out of it. Hakanay Retin is a bullish character. Um, he'll be hurting as much as anybody. Um, but he does seem to be under pressure. I did. I, I thought they would be OK this season. But, you know, if you read stuff online, there seems to be a real... You know, the feel-good factor has gone from the, club, from the club. And this time, at the end of last season, everybody was pulling in the right direction. Football's a strange game. When you're winning, everybody loves you. When it's not, it doesn't really work out. So, and Oliver Ash has had a bit of criticism on social media, but as he said before, all the way through, he will not, as Mason have been before, throw money at it, which could cause the club all sorts of problems going forward. And I'm sure the, the older Maystone United fans who've seen them go out of business and, and then return to this level will know you know, they've got to be sensible and never go through those bad times again. Maybe it's just the newer supporters, and I'm not criticising them, but they want instant success. When you see a team do ever so well in the league, expect it in. But as as we're finding out, the, the National League is a completely different kettle of fish to the National League South. Yeah, it's a tough one. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they... Uh, okay, how the, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's part of it. It's part of it that... When you hear Hakan interviewed, he doesn't come across as a sort of rabble rouser. And I, th- and I think, does that sometimes put people having a, a slightly negative view on him? He's not like he's coming out and giving all the big, you know, the big really... Uh, do, do you know what I mean? Like we, we have a lot of managers on this show and we say, God, I'd really like to play for him. We've got a few, we have a few others that we say, well, we wouldn't want to play for him. And, and I think Hakan, as lovely a bloke as he is, 
does he sometimes go towards that end of the spectrum? And and as supporters and journalists, we don't necessarily see that how he gets the best out of his players. And do you think that plays on people's minds when they're thinking, well, he's not up to it because they hear him speak after a game and he's not rabble rousing? Does that make yeah, sense? I think he's he's a character that probably says that, you know, he's been in the game a long time and he's been successful in the long time. And arguably he knows a lot more than what the supporters do. And if we can probably, which they can't see from looking in um, the situation they are. They're second from bottom after 15 games. So they're the third away of the season. The good thing about it, unlike last season, when really the bottom three were gone by a long time, it's still tight. If Maystone beat Yeovil on Saturday, A, they go above Yeovil and they could be up to 19th position in the league or goal defence is not as good. But back again, back-to-back home wins could be an absolute dream for them as well. So they are conceding a lot of goals, which is a concern. But they have played some decent teams. You didn't expect them to get Notts County. And Southend, who seem to be a side on the up as well um, in this division, you don't concede many goals. And Maystone are struggling to score goals. I'm just sort of saying... It's a side that haven't got that much experience in the National League. Um, I'm watching some of this. I'm not surprised they're struggling with some of the signings they brought in over the summer. Let's uh, talk about Bromley very quickly. Um, two defeats for them this week. Uh, beating 3-2 up at Chesterfield on Saturday. Andy Woodman sent off in that game and there was a right old dust up at the final whistle. Nothing mm-hmm. compared to that one from North Wales that was doing the rounds on social yeah. media. But uh, uh, unpleasant scenes. And then... Uh, 1-0 up and coasting against against Barnet, lost 3-1. And it's not the first time lately that Bromley seems to have had a game won or, or well in control and then been undone by some late goals. And and, and it's 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 putting a bit of a dampener on their season because they've had a decent start, but they're in danger of drifting away a bit, aren't they? Yeah, they started when they were 2-0 up against Solio, weren't they? And Solio down the 10, they got pegged back. Good result on Bournemouth. And since then, they haven't won in... Three, again, it's going to be tough at Chester. Always good to score goals, probably. But defensively was their main thing. And they're missing the keeper. Tom Smith's in goal. Uh, I know from his news on loan at Dover. And he was very raw um, um, when he was at Dover a couple of seasons ago. So um, Charles Cook is a really good goalkeeper at that level. Maybe they're missing him a little bit. Got some tough games coming up. Maiden, they're, they're not County uh, away. So they're going to be OK. But it's, I think, yeah, again... The new supporters again, maybe when I mentioned it before, the new supporters that Bromley have got after winning the trophy, and we know we spoke to Andy Woodman, his aim is to get them promoted out of this division. Looking at the moment, it's going to be tough for them to win that division, and then it all comes down to the playoffs, and we know there are a lot bigger clubs than Bromley desperate to get promoted. And again, and maybe a little bit of pressure will be put on himself, and maybe the new supporters, they expect to win. But this is a tough division, whatever you say. Um, and you need a bit of money, which they've got, off the field going in the right direction, just a little bit more consistency. That's their first home defeat of the season. And up to that point, they would have a, a, would have been, um, you know, could have won six games at home. So I wouldn't be panicking just yet, but they've got to keep on the coattails and the sides above them because it looks like the top two are, are going to run away with it. Then you're playing for the playoff spot. So you've just got to make sure, keep on the coattails of some of the other teams. This weekend, Brom, as, as we've already heard, uh, Matt is going to be at Maidstone against Yeovil. Uh, Bromley are away to Maidenhead uh, on Saturday. So that's going to be a tough one for them. And then Tuesday night, uh, oh, it gets easier for Notts, uh, for Bromley. They're away to Notts County. Uh, Maidstone at home to Solihull, as we've already mentioned. I, I think uh, Bromley, going back to Bromley, I think they play better against 
the sides who are arguably on paper better than them. I think um, when you speak to um, sides that come about and you read out the reports that probably get good raps from better sides, supporters as being one of the better teams. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went up to um, not counting and got a result. It's just the teams they should be beating, maybe they're not just not putting the foot down to finish the games off. Mm, that's an interesting one. A bit of a mixed bag in the National League South over the over the weekend. Uh, two games for everybody. Uh, Tommy Daniels probably had the best weekend out of all of our teams. Two wins for them. They beat Chippenham 2-0 and Chelmsford City by a goal to nil. Darfield had a good weekend as well. 1-1 draw with them with St Albans, followed by a 2-1 win at Slough. Epsom United still unbeaten. Dramatic game for them against Welling on Saturday. Uh, I think it was 101st minute penalty saved. Uh, by Welling uh, to pre- preserve a point there. They, Welling played a lot of that game with 10 men as well. And everyone was saying that Welling were the best team that Ebbsfleet had played. Uh, Branchy probably not agreeing with that one after they beat Welling 4-1 uh, on Tuesday night. Ebbsfleet did follow that up with a 3-1 over St Albans, so they're still going well, but haven't walked Louisville held at home by Bath tonight uh, as well. That just leaves with Dover Athletic. They were in such a good run of form. Matt went back 1-1 against Farnborough, uh, 3-0 against Concord Rangers. Uh, of the three words that you told me about the performance on Tuesday night, only two of them are suitable for this family podcast. Uh, do you want to say anything more than the, they were dreadful? Dreadful against Farnborough, even though Farnborough I thought were one of the better sides I've seen this season. Reggie Young, who scored the goal, one of the better players um, uh, as well. Um, I said to my mate before the game, or before Saturday, if we get four points out of these two games, I think we'll be quite happy. So the draw against Farnborough, we probably didn't deserve a draw. Um, we'll come back into it. Um, and everybody expected us to beat Concord, who Concord haven't won in 12 league games, or whatever it was. I think they're there for the taking. But we didn't show up. Um, again, Andy Hessenthal has tinkered with the formation a little bit, which is frustrating because he said that he had the right formation and it worked with the players and he tinkered with it and it hasn't worked. Um, Concord scored, Dover missed a penalty, paid his back against the crossbar. And the second half, they conceded two pretty poor goals, which I think come down to goalkeeping um, errors. So the, the feel-good factor has gone out the window a little bit with two away games, one against on Saturday at Bath and then against Chelmsford. Pressure could be on Andy Hessenthaler again. Um, as I say, he's probably only a certain section of the Dover supporters. He's only a, um, a defeat away for them, aren't calling for his head. But they need to improve on... Um, those performances, I have to say, and again, I think everybody was frustrated. He just changed the formation when it looked so good, but the joys of football management, I suppose. Absolutely. As Matt has just said, Dover travelled to Bath on Saturday. Uh, also on Saturday, Dartford at home to Weymouth. Tommy Jones has made the long trip over to Taunton. Ebbsfleet go to Hemel Hempstead, Welling at home to Hungerford. Then there's some fixtures in midweek, but not, not a full programme, uh, Bone Stretch Management. Dartford against Welling is a big game on Tuesday night. Uh, Tamridge Angels make the trip along to Worthing and then on Wednesday night just a small matter of second against top haven't walked to Louisville at home second against third United. Now, I think they've come third didn't they? second against third Is they second not? Third? haven't only drew this evening didn't they so that'll be a, that'll be a, a, a big game um, oh, of course, yes. Dartford, of course, have gone above, haven't all to Louisville yeah. uh, into, into second. But they have played two more games. Uh, just kind of blithely assumed that haven't was still second. Didn't do my research there. Apologies, oh. listeners. And I know one will pick that up. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it for the football chat then this week. Um, watched a great film at the weekend, Matt. Oh, yeah? Uh, yes, it was on Apple TV+. Plus. 
Oh, got that. Uh, Coda. Have you heard of it? Seen it? Know anything no. about it? No, what's it about? So it's about a girl uh, played by um, Ali Jones, the snowman's daughter, um, who is uh, the daughter of deaf parents. That's what CODA stands for, Ch- Children oh, Deaf, got a, deaf Adults. Oh, for an Oscar. Oh, and did it bloody deserve it. What a fantastic film. Um, the performances by the deaf actors and by uh, the, the lead were absolutely phenomenal. And it's, I think it's a 12, so it's quite a family-friendly film. But do you know what? It was absolutely incredible. One of the best films I've seen in a long time. It was, it, it was just, it made you laugh, it made you cry, it had it all. So if you've got a couple of hours spare, I cannot recommend enough that you watch this film, Coda. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, well, again, there's not we really watching too much. Oh, we do have got Dress to Impress. Have you heard of a programme called Dress, Dress to Impress? I think you mentioned that rubbish on here before, mate. Yeah, but it's back on, and it's, me and the kids absolutely love it. So um, that's back now. So that will be our... Um, uh, yeah, again, it, it's not particularly highbrow, but me and the kids absolutely love it. So that's the only thing on. Um, London Kills, have you heard about that one? There's another one watching. It's on the iPlayer. I've iPlan. heard the name. I've heard the name. It's, it's, well, apparently, I didn't know. It, it, it's got some quite famous people. The acting's not good, but the, my mum told me it's one of these ones that's on two o'clock on a, a weekday on the BBC. But it's quite good. It's a good crime one, and it's a underlying story, and it flashed up on iPlayer. So we do like a crime drama, and that was... Um, that came up as uh, the one to watch. So uh, and it's not a bad programme, that, yeah. I'll tell you what, I've just raved about a film. I'm going to talk about a TV programme that was crap now, which was The Masked Dancer. And I didn't really bother with oh, the first series God, of it. And then the second series, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And then like, after a, a few episodes, I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just fast forward and find out it is. And this is partly me being a bit, probably being a bit naive. But I didn't really know anything about either of the first two people, who, who either the winner or the runner-up. And I was like, that was a complete waste of time for me. I, I do find that. Um, I, yeah, I remember you said you. that about about the yeah, but the first time, the first series, it was like Bianca from EastEnders on The Masked Singer, and it was like, you, and I remember you saying on this show, the kids, the kids didn't have a clue who that was. Yeah. Well, and for this time, it was the other way around. I don't know about that woman from Glee. Was she I, from I think, Glee? Um, she's from Glee. I think uh, that's the problem. That again, I asked the kids, they know it, and the majority of these people who go on the telly. And he's YouTube stars these days. And again, I'm not interested in YouTube and that thing. So again, I, I did find out. I like to find out who wins these things. But again, I've never heard of the person who done it. No, maybe we're too old. But yeah, and, and they were all going, "Oh, it's wonderful to see you." I was like, "Who the bloody hell's that?" Mm. Oh, yeah. um, maybe we're getting old, mate. You see, we are. Maybe we should retire. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> well what, do a do a Neil Cugley? But I, I don't think he'd retire. I'll just go back to Neil Cugley. You know, after 25 years of going to football on a Saturday, going to a game, getting self-organised, how difficult that would be just to get you, your mindset back? Would it be hard, do you think? I think, it, do you know what? I think it is. I, I was very much uh, that because, you know, but, but when I left school, or when I, football was always everything for me on a Saturday. And I couldn't ever imagine that you'd do other things at three o'clock on a Saturday. And I've actually found in the last few years that actually there are other things to do at three o'clock on a Saturday. You, you lot, your whole weekend doesn't have to revolve around football. But Neil Cugley's been doing it a lot longer than than I have, so I'm sure it'll be very, very difficult for for him. And and you know, I wonder if his uh, if his wife will be very keen to uh, to say to him, Neil, shouldn't you go to the football this afternoon? Yeah, yeah, it must be tough on that. But what a, I'm sure there'll be um, again. We saw this the thing. A lot of 
national press will come come and say it, speak to him there because um, what a fantastic 25 years in one job, you know. Some managers don't even last six months these days, do they? So, yeah, fantastic. No, yeah, and again, uh, full credit to Neil Cugley and uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able yeah, to I'll try of... and get him on next week. He's, again, straight away when I text him, he, he texts back he, and he's one of the good guys, really top man and it'll be interesting to see what happens next but I'm, I'm sure, um, again, he's only got the... the Focusing in Victor in his heart, so um, he'll be doing the best to get them uh, get that investment coming. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. You can find us on Twitter as always at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Search for Kent Only Podcast. I'm at John Pips eighty one. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard on Twitter. You can find us both on there. Thanks to our guests for their time this week. Thanks to Matt for staying up very late, although he hasn't got to be up for work in the morning, so it's not too not too much of a hardship for him. And most importantly, of course, thank you to every single one of you for listening to this week's show. Uh, where else can you find out the latest in my love life uh, other than listening to this? Right, exactly. uh, or, by, or by approaching Matthew Gerrard at a game of football to ask him if I've got a new bird. Uh, and I've already passed that message on and it was very well received. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening and we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. Yeah, I could be the new Silla Black, couldn't I? Really? People ask me about your love life? <laughs>